Well, it's good to see each of you this morning, and we're very thankful to be in God's house. It feels like we missed out on a whole season of Christmas, and so we're going to wrap it all up in one package service here this morning. And now it's uh, good to see each of you, uh, and to uh, uh, seems like uh, years gone by, we've had really a whole month to celebrate Christmas together, but we've missed so many of your faces. And even today, we still miss your faces because we can't always uh, see who we're talking to uh, with these masks on today. How many of you would acknowledge that it's been a tough year? Is it, uh, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, this has been one of the years that you look back and you go, uh, you know, can it get any worse? And you hate to ask that question. Uh, you know, what is, uh, what I, I saw a meme this week, what if... Uh, 2020 was just a trailer for 2021, and uh, we'd be all be in trouble. But uh, we're here this morning to uh, to say that we have some good news to proclaim this morning. I'm telling you, mental illness is on the rise, and uh, the, it seems like hatred is abounding for, on the political scene, and uh, everything that you wish would go one way, it goes the opposite way this year, and uh, you, we're holding out for hope and. Uh, some other, uh, you know, some other circumstance many times, but we, are, we realize that uh, our hope is from above. Our hope is in heaven, uh, and we look forward to proclaiming that message here this morning, the message of Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter number 1. John chapter 1, and I'm going to read John chapter 1, 10 through verses 14. And while you're looking for that, I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 14. You know the Christmas story. Many of you have uh, been familiar reading that at your, your own households through the years there. You're very familiar with this. And at the end of the Christmas story, we come to the angels. And we come to the angels proclaiming uh, a proclamation as Travis read this morning. But Luke chapter 2, verse number 14, the Bible says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. As the angels proclaimed the Messiah had come to earth, that Jesus was born uh, on this planet, they made an observation that there was peace on earth, that he would bring peace in the hearts of men. And then they made this observation, goodwill toward men. And the title of my message this morning is God's gift of goodwill towards men. Let's pray as we, uh, before we read our text this morning. Lord, we do thank you and acknowledge that, uh, Lord, there's, Lord, you don't, you don't have thoughts of, uh, of ill towards us. God, you're for us. God, you're not against us as so many would frame uh, the God of this universe against our, uh, our will as a people, against our way or limiting us in our freedoms and what we want to do and how, to, how we want to be happy. And, but God, it, all throughout the scripture, you've proclaimed that your good news, your gospel, you've died for men, for God so loved the world. Lord, even your angel uh, Lord made a declaration of that this would this Jesus that was born would be goodwill towards men, and I pray that you'd help us this morning as we understand what your goodwill is, as we see uh, how we can respond to your goodwill this morning, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name, Amen. 
John chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. And the Bible says that he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle John wrote the book of John and set out with this theme in mind. John chapter 20 and verse number 31 tells us the theme of the book of John. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So we understand this morning that the Apostle uh, John was writing this to the world. Many of the other Gospels were written to a specific sect of people like the, the Jews or perhaps the Roman. But this particular gospel, John wrote uh, a dialogue to the world. And we understand the theme is that so that the world would come to belief in Jesus Christ. In other words, this, the response to the goodwill of God in mankind. The Apostle John was very descriptive on uh, as he lays out in John chapter 1, really a case uh, for God's goodwill. We understand in John chapter 1, in verse number 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. We understand that this light that lighteth every man, John lays out the case that we each have a conscience, a God consciousness, that we can realize that there is something beyond this life. We each have an eternal perspective. We know that there's more to this life after we die. And that conscience it, it speaks uh, of our God consciousness that there's more than just us out here. And then John goes on to say that he also sent John the Baptist to testify of who Jesus was. He later goes on to say that uh, Jesus was that true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And so uh, he begins to lay out the case on, and really our, what our response should be toward the goodwill of God. So that we can know for sure that we're going to heaven when we die. So that we can respond to uh, what God is doing in this present world. And we read in the Christmas story, the angel's proclamation that God is for us. God has a good will towards mankind. I know God gets a bad rap in today's world. God takes all the blame for all the diseases, and yet he doesn't get the credit for the cures. Uh, God takes all the blame for uh, broken relationships and the wars in this world uh, are all religious wars, they want to say. And because of religion, we need to, uh, and God takes the blame for that. And, and yet during times of peace, God never, never gets the, the credit. 
God takes the blame sometimes for the hard circumstances if we're honest in our own life. We say, why? Why have you done this to me, God? Instead of asking, what is God trying to teach me? Have you asked that question this year? Maybe some of us this morning need to stop asking why God is letting this happen in this particular year and, and start saying, God, what are you trying to teach me this year? Exactly what are you doing in the world and, and what is my part and how would you have me to steward the rest of 2020? How would you have me to steward this new year, 2021? What would you like me to do and where do I fit in? But I want you to notice in our text this morning, there were three particular responses to the good will of God mentioned in our text. Three particular responses. Notice the three responses. Number one, we see in verse number 10, we see there is a blind dismissal. There's a blind dismissal. The Bible says that he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. The first people group would be the people in the world that he's mentioned. And, and then the second one is, uh, is the Jewish uh, people, the Jewish culture. How, how did they respond to that? And then, of course, the third is the Christian. By the way, it's God's will that everyone come to the category of being a Christian. Do you know God's not leaving out anyone in this Christian category this morning? The Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so if you're here this morning and maybe you're in the world's category this morning, you've not yet believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know this morning that you don't have to remain in this first category or have this first response that the world has this morning. You, like I did uh, 20-something years ago, Go can place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. You can receive of the, the goodwill of God towards mankind, and you can receive of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know this morning that he'll wash your sins away. He'll come into your heart. Uh, the Bible says that he'll make you a son of God. He'll adopt you into his family this morning. You don't have to remain in this first category. But what was the first category? What was this first response? I see there was a blind dismissal. You know, the world is not receiving the Lord Jesus Christ for various reasons this morning. And uh, they, they just miss it sometimes because of this, they blindly dismiss it. The Bible says that he was in the world and the world was made by him. Can you imagine missing the very Christ that made the world? We read in John chapter 1, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. And yet the world missed what was right in front of them. Sometimes we have uh, different value systems than different ways of viewing things as people. And sometimes we look at things differently as even God looks at them. I read of a, a little cartoon, the Peanuts. How many like the Peanuts cartoons there? The Peanuts cartoons there. I read of a, this story of, of Sally and Linus as they're sitting on their couch and listening to Christmas music. Uh, by the way, a confession there. I started listening to Christmas music a couple of months ago. Okay, secretly listening a couple. I needed something, right? Just something to give me those uh, good endorphins or, you know, the good feelings in there. Uh, so I started listening to that maybe a couple months ago. So don't be mad at me if, uh, if I confess that and, and that's not you this morning. But that's, that's just what we've been doing. 
I, I read the story here, of, or the little cartoon, how Sally is uh, listening to this Christmas uh, carol, and, and it said, Four calling birds and a partridge in a pear tree. That song drives me crazy. What in the world's a calling bird, she says. And then Linus goes on to say, a calling bird is kind of a partridge. In 1 Samuel 26, 20, it says, For the kings of Israel have come out to seek my life, just as though they were hunting the calling bird. And there's a play on words here that you see David was standing on a mountain calling and compared himself to a partridge being hunted. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> Sally says, if I get socks again for Christmas this year, I'll go even more crazy. We, we all have our different ways of looking at things, right? And, and sometimes uh, we're, not, we're not necessarily looking as the Lord sees it. And he was in the world, and the world missed it. How did they miss the goodwill of God pointed towards, uh, towards, towards them? They, they, they missed it. Well, there were some uh, various reasons that, that, could, that the world missed it. Number one, I see a, a clashing world system. You know, the world doesn't value the things that God values. The world uh, doesn't value the same governing techniques that God values. They, they rule by force. God rules by service. God rules by influence. The government wanted power and oversight. Some things never change, right? And God says, I've come to earth to solve a very specific problem, and it's not solved through the government. By the way, I love the passage where the Bible says, the government shall be upon my shoulders. How many get an amen this morning there? He rules and reigns. And one day, the Lord, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. I love that hallelujah chorus, how it declares the, the place, the rightful place for man's governance. We understand that they may not have the same value system. They, they may have been looking at this time for someone with some money. You know, the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules, right? They may have been looking for someone with some money. But the Bible says that Jesus didn't come that way. He was born in a lowly manger. There was no room for him even in the inn. And at that time, they were even taking their last pennies, if you will, and taking it to go pay taxes, Mary and Joseph. The Bible does say that he did have wealth, but he didn't value that wealth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9, the Bible says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. You see, he's he didn't have the same value system that we have. We may have been looking for somebody with money back in those days. And the Apostle, Paul, the Apostle John uh, writes this, uh, being the latter gospel, he's already seen the world reject him. He's already seen the Jews reject him. And, and now he's saying, look, he was in the world and they just missed it. Hey, the world may have missed it because of cloaked works. They they may have had some works that were, uh, they wanted to hide there. The, the Bible says that we love our sin, don't we? We, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 4, if we're honest this morning, being, uh, being part of this world, we were uh, sometimes like this. The Bible says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds. 
of them which believe not, lest the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We let Satan blind our minds. By the way, the gospel is not just an intellectual ascent towards a set of knowledge. It, there's a moral aspect to the gospel. There's a, there needs to be a humble submission to, yes, Lord, you're right. And yes, Lord, this set of information's right. But yes, Lord, I trust you. And that's where people are today. They are willingly blinded in their minds saying there's no way that Jesus is the answer for the sin problem of the world. There's no way that this little baby uh, could mean so much. There's no way. Intellectually, I, I can't understand it. It doesn't make sense. But it may be also this. They just wanted to do what they wanted to do. You know, the Bible says that they, uh, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And all my counseling and all my years of study in the counseling uh, field there, uh, now I've learned one thing about people. And maybe you've noticed this too. I've learned one thing about us. We do what we want to do. And we like our sin. They may be rejecting it because they like their sin. Men love darkness rather than light. And the baby Jesus, the infant lowly, exposes the hearts of men. The name Jesus is a powerful name. When you say the name Jesus, there needs to be a decision made in your life of what you'll do with this Jesus. Because of who he was and what he did, it brings us to a decision about ourself and our sin and our trust and where we're trusting today. Well, not only do we see cloaked works, but it was clearly observable that the Lord, they, the world was made by him. The Bible says in Romans chapter number one and verse number 20, for the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We have uh, you, you know, so many times they're looking for a data set. Uh, the world is looking for answers. It's stumbling in the dark trying to find answers to the mental illnesses, to the sin problems, to the uh, relationship, broken relationship problems. And yet Jesus came to set us free from our sin. And yet Jesus came to deliver us and give us hope in eternal life. And not only this life, the Bible says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So not only do we have eternal life, but he came to give us life more abundantly right here and right now. And John experienced this uh, cre uh, clear creation evidence uh, firsthand when he in the book of Acts, uh, among others, were beaten 
and told not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ by, by the councils. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 18, and they called unto them and commanded them not to speak nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of, of God or hearken you more, uh, more than God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things that we've seen and heard, so that when we had we were further threatened them. They let them go, finding nothing that they might be punished because of the people. For, they all, for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old, of whom the miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went into their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that they lifted up their voice to God in one accord, and they said, Lord, thou art God. Thou hast made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them uh, is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why doth the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? You see, this world uh, is raging against Jesus today. And religious groups are imagining other ways to heaven uh, uh, creatively, and, and yet it's seemingly daily. There's a new way to heaven. There's a new uh, religious guru out there. They're, they're making things up in their own vanity of their mind and worship those things. Not only do we see, number one, the world had a blind dismissal, but number two, there was a blatant denial. Verse number 11, look in our text once again. And the Bible says, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. I, I saw a uh, social media post yesterday by Benjamin Netanyahu, who uh, was receiving his vaccination. And, and this, he, he was thanking the God of the universe Oh, they, he may have realized that there was a God of the universe, but I want to tell you this morning, Benjamin Yetanyahu uh, is denying the very Christ himself. You know, it's not enough to acknowledge that God exists. The Bible says in the book of James that even the devils believe and tremble. They believe in a historical Jesus. They believe in a, uh, that God exists, but it's just not enough to get you all the way to heaven. It's not enough when you don't receive him. And by not receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, you're blatantly denying the only way of salvation. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Why did they reject him? Maybe it was a case of mistaken identity. They just didn't realize who was in front of them. I appreciated our pastor going through the book of Daniel and, and uh, one of my favorite messages was on the 70 weeks of Daniel and, and, and realizing the timeline that the, that the Jew would have realized that, hey, uh, that Messiah would be cut off and the triumphal entry of our Lord would have marked that uh, going into the last week of the 70 weeks of Daniel or that, uh, or that transition period between the uh, 69th and the 70th week there. And, and any Jew could have looked at a timeline and said, hey, I don't know when he's coming exactly, but it's got to be one of these guys around this time frame. You see, God wasn't hiding it from the nation of Israel. 
It wasn't done uh, in, a, in, a, in a chamber, if you will. It was done with proclamation of the world that an angelic host would proclaim that this is the goodwill of God towards the world, not just the nation of Israel, but towards the entire world. It may have been a case of mistaken identity. They just didn't realize who they had in front of them. I'll never forget going to a family reunion several years back there. I was going to my family reunion and I had, uh, uh, it was out at Fellows Lake there and you rent one of those pavilions and we kind of let the kids go and, and go down by the lake and just have a good time. Well, I didn't know exactly which pavilion we were renting and so I was kind of feeling my way through Fellows Lake pavilions there and my wife will never let me forget this story here but uh, we, uh, we pulled up to one pavilion and she said, I don't think that's it. And I said, oh yeah, this is my family. I know this is it. These are the people. I haven't seen them in a while, but you know, everybody grows up. And uh, I don't look the same either. And, and so I, I parked my car and, uh, and I got out of the car there and I started to walk. And the, the embarrassing thing was that one of my relatives was actually behind me following me. And he parked his car too. And I got out there and, and uh, you know, of course, there's a lot of people sitting at the pavilion. And the closer I got, now I have glasses, the more I see that these people are of Chinese descent. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, I just had a, I just had a case of mistaken identity. Uh, uh, I did want to stay for the food, but I, I tarried off to act, my actual family reunion, and I said hello to that one and goodbye. And, and then, of course, they gave me a hard time at my family reunion, the people that were following me. You know, it was just mistaken identity. I just didn't realize where I was at or who I was around or who I should have looked like you know I think about the wise men how they came from the east they even realized who was the prophet and priest and king Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 11 and then when they were coming to the house they saw the young child and Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him when they had opened their treasures they presented unto him gifts gold frankincense and myrrh they realized that Jesus was the prophet, priest, and king by the gifts that they presented. But the Jewish council rejected Jesus. They rejected him in Acts chapter 2 and in verse number 22 through 24, the Bible says, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a, a man approved of God uh, among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by a determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, ye have taken by the wicked hands, have ye crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Yeah, they didn't realize who they had crucified. They rejected him. They blatantly denied the Christ. They should have known him by now. John recalls, writing in his latter years, recalls, I could just see John with a tear in his eye. They should have known. It was our Lord. Acts chapter 2 and verse 29, the Bible says, Men and brethren, 
Let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, he who is both dead and buried and is in his sepulcher and to, unto this day, therefore being a prophet and, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath that the fruit of his loins, according to his flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. He, uh, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. And his soul was not left in hell, neither was his, did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised, uh, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being in the right hand of God exalted, and having received the Father of the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which we now see and hear. For David is not ascended into heaven, but he saith himself, The Lord saith unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel uh, know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and the Christ. John, uh, or I'm sorry, the book of Acts, Luke declares that he is both Lord and and Christ. To the Jew first, the Bible says in Acts uh, and in Romans, but also to the Greek. You and I realize today that Jesus is that very Christ. But, but, but how this people of the book, you know, the Baptists and the Jews have always been known as people of the book. How did they miss it? Just mistaken identity? No, you know what else it took? It took some math ignorance. I don't know if they had to know every one of the prophecies to know that it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, but John writing back, saying they, they just missed it. They, the, the, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. How did that happen? Well, we real, realize that there are over 300 prophecies written about the Messiah, it wasn't like there were one or two and, and they just didn't understand which, which one applied and which one didn't. There are over 300 prophecies written about the very Messiah that would come. Now, if you do a little math here, uh, we realize that just eight of these prophecies, if they were fulfilled statistically, it would, the chances of eight of the prophecies being fulfilled by the same person would be one uh, to the 10th power or to the one uh, or 10 to the 16th power. We, we realize that is uh, a, a phenomenal number, the, the chances of Jesus fulfilling just eight of those 300 prophecies, just incredible odds that it could be that very person. We, we realize if we just took 48 of those prophecies and said, if one person could fulfill 48 of those prophecies, there's a chance that it would be uh, 10 to the 157th power. Now, that's a octa octaquadragiliatillion, in case you were wondering. And I'm like, tensies and onesies. <laughs> you know, uh, that's a lot of, I mean, it really, statistically, you would say, that's an incredible, uh, that would be odd, uh, just to say the least, it would be an odd occurrence in history if one person could fulfill 48 of those prophecies. But we're not just talking about one person fulfilling 48 prophecies. We're talking about one person fulfilling 300 prophecies 
over 300 prophecies, and not just prophecies that you could uh, generalize, like maybe some of you have heard about Nostradamus and, and some of his general prophecies, more like fortune cookies. You know, he makes general uh, prophecies, and then people look for things that he's fulfilled in this certain period of time. These were very specific. Name, uh, names were prophesied uh, where he would be born, how he would die. And so you, you can understand maybe to an extent how one person can control a little bit of, of maybe how they walk in this life once they've come to an age of accountability and they know they have a, a, a mind that could figure out these prophecies and they could maybe weave their way in and out through some of these prophecies. But no one, I repeat, no one here this morning that was ever born on this planet besides Jesus Christ could ever fulfill all 300 of these prophecies about their birth and their death, something that is totally out of their control. And the, the statistics uh, bear this out is a statistical anomaly so that there is without a shadow of a doubt, there is absolutely, uh, it is absolutely provable that Jesus was the Christ. There's no way he couldn't be. He's God. He's the Christ. And so maybe they missed it because they just didn't know math. You know, the, I think of the quote by Spurgeon. He says, the greatest enemy to the human soul is the self-righteous spirit, which makes men look to themselves for salvation. The greatest enemy to the human soul is the self-righteous spirit, which makes men look to themselves for salvation. You know, he didn't do it the same way I would have done it. Salvation isn't the same way you and I would have thought it up. But look how salvation does come. Number three, I want you to notice, lastly, this. I want you to notice there's a binding decision. The Bible says this, but as many as received him, to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you or I were making up salvation, we'd find uh, 38 ways in which we can work our way to heaven. And we'd give ourselves a pass on all of those 38 ways. You might justify me, and I might justify you, and and we may sing kumbaya together and think we're all going to go to heaven. But Jesus said, I'm going to make it easier than that. I'm going to do all the work. So then when Jesus came and gave goodwill towards mankind, he came to give goodwill towards mankind so that we can have a right relationship with God once again. The Bible says that we were at enmity with God. Because of the sin that uh, we were born, this sin nature that we were born with, we were enemies of God. The Bible says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. But God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
the goodwill of God towards mankind, is a binding decision so that if you'll receive the very Jesus Christ that died on a cross and was buried and rose again and paid in heaven for the sins of all of humanity, if you'll receive that payment or propitiation for your sins, the Bible says that he'll, he'll wash them all away. He'll make the payment as paid in full. I'll never forget the day that I got saved. February the 12th, 1997. I came to the end of myself. I realized there was nothing I could do to get to heaven. The Bible says it's not of the will of man. There's nothing in us that is good enough to get to heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And what, what do you have to do to receive this gift of the goodwill of God? Is to receive by faith the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I did that day. I received the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, I didn't think it would make that big of a difference in my life back then. When I prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, I prayed a little prayer and there was nothing good and, and inherently good about Tracy Nix. But when God came into my life, he changed me. He wasn't, I didn't come to him with all my goodness and all the plans that I had to repent. And it, hey, it wasn't even on my ability to repent. I placed the object of my faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that day I got in him. I received him. And when I got in him, the heavenly father received me. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power or authority to become the sons of God so that I can have a right relationship with God. The Bible says there's a cross, there's a counteracting conjunction in this. It says, but as many as received him. There's this conjunction that God says, you don't have to reject me. You don't have to be like the world and miss the very obvious. You don't have to be like the Jewish council and blatantly deny what's right in front of you. You can be like I did that day and receive the Lord Jesus Christ in this cross reciprocal claim so that when I received Christ, I became a son of God. If you look at my DNA today in my spirit, the Bible says that my spirit bears witness with his spirit so that I am the son of God. And when God looks at me, he doesn't look at me as Tracy Nix, the human. He looks at me as Tracy Nix, the, the sinner that was saved by his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he looks at me, he looks at me with uh, the inheritance of of his son. The Bible says in 1 Peter that I have a reservation in heaven waiting. It's, it's incorruptible and it fades not away so that one day when I die, I'll go right to heaven. I have the hope of eternal life. But right now, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It's a binding decision. I'll never lose it. I'll never lose it. It's beneficial. I received it. It wasn't of my will. The Bible says it wasn't of the will of man. It goes on to tell us that you must be born again. It's not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. 
I want you to know this morning, if you're not saved, it's God's will in your life that for you to be saved. God willed it this morning. And you've been wondering about it far too long. You've been doubting and denying far too long. And I want you to know, you don't have to wonder anymore. God wants you to be saved here this morning. So what do we do? What are the takeaways of this message? Number one is anyone can be saved and go to heaven. Anyone. Number two is the world, even the Jew, can be convinced with apologetics. The Bible says this answer of the defense of the faith. 1 Peter 3, verse number 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and in fear. I'll close with this. During our church planting days in St. Louis, I was going about my business, and sometimes you have, I'll never forget the first uh, uh, Christmas during that. We, we opened in September and had 57 at the grand opening, and, and we whittled our way back down to one by Christmas time. My family and one. Man, I was excited, right? <laughs> you just keep pressing on. You just keep going on. And I said, all right, God, this is the way it's going to be. There's going to be some ups and there's going to be some downs. And so I said, uh, this, we're not going to base how we feel on, based on church attendance. We're going to get to meet some people and invest in their lives. And we, we began to get into the community there in St. Louis. I began taking a, uh, a class at Missouri Baptist and one of those classes so, uh, so I can meet some people. And that's exactly what happened. I remember giving a little speech as we were learning how to teach a, a class and we were teaching each other. And uh, of course, I realized that not everyone in Missouri Baptist was a Christian just because that name there. And so I gave my speech about Jesus. <laughs> Being a preacher, I thought this is a perfect opportunity. I'll speak of Christ and what he can do in your New Year's resolutions. And I did that. And I remember after class, this, this young lady coming to me, her name was Rose. Rose said, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. I just got married in September. This was now November. She said, my husband left me. I'm living in my friend's basement with two kids. He left me because he told me he was a Christian when we got married, and now he doesn't know he's an atheist. And she was heartbroken. She was heartbroken. His dad was a Pentecostal preacher and he had had his up and down days in that Pentecostal church where, he, you know, it was not once saved, always saved, but sometimes you felt saved and sometimes you didn't and you might have been living. He didn't know if there was even a God. He was so confused. And Rose came to me and I said, you need to meet my wife. She, she met my wife and uh, my wife began to minister to Rose. She began to come to our church plant there and, and then in a, in a miraculous way, James came to our church service a couple weeks later. They weren't living together. They, he had left her, but he at least decided he would come to church with her. And I'll never forget James coming to that church service. I'd made a, I reached out to him and I said, James, will you, will you meet with me? And he said, I'd love to. So I, I remember going to talk to James uh, in his confused state and I said, let's go to Starbucks. 
So we met over there at Starbucks, and he began to tell me his struggles and his confusion and his doubts, and, and he wondered if there was even a God, and, all, and he began to tell me all of it that he thought. I remember this one simple question. I looked out, James, I said, James, what is your spiritual authority? And he said, well, wh well what's yours? I said, well, mine's the Bible. I believe God's word. And I looked, James looked at me and he goes, well, that's mine too. And I said, well, that's, that's good, James. And we began to talk some more. He began to kind of spill his guts there out in Starbucks to me. And he looked at me at the end of that conversation and he said, you know, Pastor, whenever I told you uh, my spiritual authority was the Bible, it wasn't. I wasn't truthful. I realize now it had been me. He said, but I want it to be the Bible. James agreed to a Bible study. James came to church the next Sunday, and he came to my house. And I can kind of tell if somebody's working you a little bit there. I've been around the block a time or two, and I knew James just kind of wanted to patch some things up with his family there. And it wasn't out to give him a hard time, but James kept insisting that I lead him to the Lord. Uh, there at my house at dinner time after the service. And you think, in a church plant, Brother Nix, did you lead him to the Lord? No, I didn't. I did not. Because James thought that he could get to heaven doing some good works to get there, and he liked Jesus too. And I thought, well, James, you're not going to make it to heaven that way. I'm not going to lead you to the Lord and, and have you give an honest answer before God when he asks you what you're trusting in. And you've told me, I know you'd have to tell him that you're not trusting in Jesus alone to save you. And he kind of argued with me back and forth. My wife were, and I were recalling this this morning. And I've never had somebody, I never argued somebody out of salvation before, but I did that day. And he left kind of upset at me, and we agreed to disagree. And I knew he just wanted to get back with his wife, and maybe he had some other motives going on there. He wanted to kind of patch things up with her and say, look, I'm a Christian now. And you could see uh, the handwriting on the wall there. And James texted me the next day. We argued back and forth whether it was works or grace, and he texted me a couple verses, and he said, you were right, Pastor. If it were grace, it's not of works. And if it were works, it's not of grace. He texted me that verse. And I said, that's awesome, James. And then the next Tuesday, he, had, we, he was scheduled to come into my office. And we were scheduled to begin a Bible study. Well, what you don't know about James is that James had, his mother had divorced his Pentecostal father. And uh, he had left, she had left him and she'd married a Jew. And her uh, rejection of Jesus Christ was very blatant. And that's why James had been questioning about Jesus Christ. And James came to me with all kinds of objections that day. I remember sitting in my office and he's, I said, James, do you want to go through this Bible study or do you want to go through some more of your objections? He said, well, let's go through them, Pastor. And he began, I remember one after another, and he said, he said, there's no way that we can have eternal life and that we can know it and we can never lose it. There's no way I'm going to believe that. I began to open my Bible to John chapter 8 and John chapter 10 that says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish and neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. For my Father which gave unto me is greater than them all. I said, how great are you, James? Are you greater than God that you can lose your eternal life when he said, I give it to you? <laughs> and, and he said, no, I'm not. 
I remember the next objection was uh, that there's no way that Jesus could be God. There's just no way. My mom says that Jesus can't be God. Of course, if you know anything about the Jewish religion, they deny Jesus being the very God. And I looked at John chapter 1 in our text here. We opened it to Colossians chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 1. And James just hung his head and says, it says he's God. But my mom said, Pastor, my mom said, there's no way that, that God would sacrifice children. That's what the God of Moloch does. James, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 22. And the Bible says, God said, Abraham, take thy son, thine only son Isaac, and offer him a burnt offering, a burnt offering, a sacrifice. And he says, I, I, I can't wrap my head around that. And I said, I want you to know, I want you to read the rest of the chapter, James. Because it wasn't God offering children. It was God offering himself. He said, God will provide himself a lamb. And we turned to Jesus. I said, that's what he did on the cross. He offered himself for you and for me. James got down on his hands and knees and said, I want to be saved. He bowed his face to the earth in my office. And he said, I've never heard it like it since. He said, Jesus, you are the son of God. With a proclamation so that all of Fenton could hear. And I'll never forget the change that came over James' life. Proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. I wish I had time to tell you the rest of the story. How that God dramatically changed his life. How that there were uh, 17 people at his baptism. His whole family, his Jewish mother came to uh, watch him be baptized. And acknowledged that something went on in James' life that they've never seen to this degree before. Before, I want you to notice thirdly, a third takeaway is that we can be bold because we have the facts on our side. Number four is God's plan is to spread this goodwill to mankind by the gospel, by you and me this morning.